Welcome to ASCP's podcast, Inside the Lab, where we discuss anything and everything that concerns today's laboratory professionals and pathologists. My name is Allie Brown. I'm a pathologist and the Chief Officer of Medical Quality at ASCP, and I'm one of your hosts. Hey, everybody. My name is Kelly Swales, and I'm also one of your hosts. I'm an ASCP Certified Clinical Laboratory Scientist, and I'm the Executive Editor of Journals at ASCP. Today, we're going to be talking about leading laboratories, and we have some very exciting guests. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Barbara Caldwell. Welcome, everyone. I'm a former administrative laboratory administrative director from MedStar Montgomery Medical Center in Albany, Maryland. Had a 42-year career and just recently retired and enjoying life and volunteering with ASCP. And it's my honor to help present this program on the development of the Leading Lab program. And hi, I'm Lynette Chakapak. I am the Director of Clinical Operations, which also includes oversight of all of our laboratories here at Ascension St. Vincent's in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, everyone. I'm Diana Kremitsky, and I'm the Vice President for Operations at Geisinger for the Diagnostic Medicine Institute. So my responsibilities cover a wide range of geography across the state of Pennsylvania, and I'm happy to be here today. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get going on the conversation, I just have a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. CME and CMLE will be available for listening to this podcast in the ASCP store. The American Society for Clinical Pathology is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education to provide that continuing medical education for physicians. ASCP designates this enduring material for a maximum of one AMA, PRA, Category 1 credit. Physicians should only claim the credit commensurate with their extent with the extent of their participation in the activity. All right, guys, thanks again for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So Barbara, can you kind of give us a rundown of exactly what Leading Laboratories is? Sure, it'd be my pleasure. Really, the goal of the Leading Lab programs is to provide a process that can recognize excellent laboratory practice and can lead to this Leading Laboratory designation. This designation is going to provide a very positive patient-centric mission. We're hoping to increase the visibility of the vital role of the laboratory in the patient's healthcare journey. It was developed in collaboration, certainly with ASCP and the Joint Commission, and we're hoping this will set the gold standard for laboratory excellence. We are going to be asking for metrics that show that the laboratory has meaningful achievements in improving improving patient outcomes, using quality metrics that are very familiar to laboratories, looking for evidence of a lab's commitment to necessary ongoing professional development, and evidence of or proof of the laboratory's trusted leadership. So that kind of paints a broad brushstroke over the leading laboratory program. Yeah, I think we we need to say that the reason that we have these three luminaries or you know, experts on our podcast today is because Barbara, Lynette, and Diana are the primary developers of this program of, as far as the metrics and, and the pillars. They worked for years, actually, to help develop this program because they are frontline experts. They are leaders in their laboratory systems with experience and the know-how on how to create a leading laboratory. That is a laboratory that 
exceeds expectations of just being able to just function day to day and give accurate results. But how do you actually develop your employees, create an environment where people want to work, where you show and demonstrate value of patient care to all the different aspects of the hospital and to your community. So thank you all so much, you three wonderful ladies, for being on our call today and for sharing your expertise with our podcast audience. A question that we get a lot. So we launched this program at ASCP in collaboration with Joint Commission last year at our annual meeting. So at our 2021 annual meeting in Boston. And a question we often are asked is, how is this leading laboratories program different from laboratory accreditation? Lynette, you want to take a stab at that one? Sure. You know, when I think of lab accreditation, I think of the things that I'm preparing to show the inspectors are things like validations and method of comparisons and competency checklists for all of my team's training and maintenance records and quality control, if I didn't already say that. And and so we're all kind of used to that. A particular bar is set and our laboratories must meet those that bar. But I think of leading laboratories as kind of going from that good thing, that standard that is set through accreditation to saying now I'm a great lab and setting a very high bar for these other areas that we delve into, these four areas, which are elevating our quality outcomes, supporting professional development, cultivating trusted leadership, and promoting lab visibility. And in some ways, these are things that really aren't looked at at all or in a very different way during the accreditation process. I know Diana can probably jump in and and give more perspective on that too. I'd be glad to do that. What I'd like to say is that it's more than just a checklist exercise in the leading labs. You know, here we are as members of laboratory professional workforce leaders trying to demonstrate the true value that our laboratories bring around the patient-centric mission of organizations, as well as the community that we serve. So it's the laboratory's interaction with multidisciplinary teams and the evidence around that and demonstrating, you know, how we really impact patient care beyond the laboratory. We're not just a transactional department. We really partner closely with all of the healthcare team to bring about benefits for patients as well as benefits for our healthcare systems. So that's another aspect of leading labs. It kind of elevates the position of the laboratory within healthcare organizations and within the community that we're more than a transactional department. We have a lot more to offer. Yeah, I often think of accreditation as hygiene, right? Now you have to satisfy these requirements in order to have acceptable quality or even excellent quality for that matter. But really to go above and beyond and to set expectations, sometimes more of what are considered soft skills, but are so tremendously valuable, leading labs really highlights those attributes. And while you can have a lab that does everything right, as far as accreditation is concerned, it doesn't mean you're a great lab. And these are the things that take your lab from being a good lab to a great lab. 
I'd like to add to that. I mean, I would think the leading lab program is like the next step beyond accreditation. I mean, quality is a given in our organizations today. And, you know, we focus a lot of time and energy on quality, but it's really, as Diana said, those powerful interactions and collaborations within the lab, within the hospital, within the departments, within the community that really shows the, as as Diana said, the impact, the powerful impact of the laboratory on the patient, you know, great mission. And it's really a focus on building strong, resilient teams to kind of handle the challenges that are being thrown at us every day. And in getting the leading laboratory information out there and the metrics demonstrated to the C-suite, to the community, you know, it's definitely bound to increase the visibility of the vital role of the laboratory. I kind of want to ask, you guys mentioned, I believe Allie said that this program was developed like over years. What was actually involved in its development? Can you talk a a little bit about that? Well, my partners, this is Lynetta. I'll get us started. My partners can probably speak much more eloquently, but I think of us in a room together with lots of post-it notes lots and, of post-it at, notes. at the very beginning <laughs> and just trying to break down all of those, you know, slightly more intangible things was the word that Ali said that are different from accreditation, but yet are so important to make a lab truly a great lab, one that is really contributing to patient care and really engaging its associates. So <laughs> imagine us surrounded by walls and covered with post-it notes, trying to group those first, just brainstorming and then trying to group our post-it notes in various ways. And, and really it took quite a few passes before we came to these four key components that we've just named to you here. Why don't I hand it off to Diana? Diana, what, what, what do you remember from that couple year process? Well, I remember all those things too, and all the great conversations we had even between the meetings, but I'd like to even take it a step back and say, you know, really what prompted all of this, right? I think there was a burning desire, a very strong burning desire amongst us, as well as many other of our colleagues and within the ASCP to really create a program that would influence and elevate the position of the clinical laboratory everywhere. So wherever there's a clinical laboratory, you know, how could we really influence and elevate, you know, the position of our clinical laboratories? Because we know that, you know, we all struggle with visibility. Uh, maybe I'm making a generalization. I apologize for that. But, you know, it's, it's a common thing where, you know, laboratories struggle with visibility and being recognized for the great work that they do. And we all know, because we're laboratory professionals about the great work, you know, we, we, we have experienced it ourselves and it often goes unrecognized when you think about the pandemic and how great the laboratories were recognized at that time. But we continue to do that same degree of work in developing assays for whatever the needs may be, as well as keeping our operations running smoothly. So, you know, I think it's just our opportunity, our desire and our influence of how we could better position laboratories. That really was kind of the burning platform to begin this process that Lynette so well described. And then at the end of us getting together with the sticky notes all over walls and writing on whiteboards, you know, there was a process of understanding, you know, 
what is the infrastructure required to, you know, build an IT platform for submissions, for portfolio development. And then finally, there was a partnership with the Joint Commission. And then that was announced, I think it was in 2021 or was it 2020? Was it 2021? I see Ellie shaking shaking her head. It was announced in 2021 at the annual ASCP meeting about the leading laboratories program. And then here we are. So, you know, it, it was a wonderful journey. But I could tell you that it was because of, you know, so much need to develop something like this that we ended up where we're at. So I I would just add to that, you know, the three of us are from varied backgrounds. We have diverse experiences, but it was kind of fun and very invigorating to come together and find the common ground that we all thought would lead to a successful laboratory and really going above and beyond to be designated as a leading laboratory. So I'd like to thank my colleagues for their brainstorming and all the the interesting times we had putting all this together, ASCP for helping nudge us along, providing the structure, cleaning up all of our language all along, and of course, doing all of the operational behind the scenes. And at one point, we reached out and we had this program vetted through various sources, and then we did a alpha testing site at Diana's facility at Geisinger, and they gave great experience, smart, insightful input. And then we kind of went back to and tried to emphasize patient outcomes and make sure that we built in that to each level. But then, you know, it was an exciting addition of the Joint Commission to the process, and they bring that that very market-savvy and and accreditation expertise to the table as well. So it's it's been a multi-year process, but evolving from the sticky notes to the online platform has just been quite a, a wonderful journey. Excellent. Let's talk about the nuts and the bolts of the program. So as a medical director, how would I know if my lab was actually prepared to apply for this designation, this leading labs designation? I think that I would recommend if they came to me and asked me that question, I'd say, let's take a look at these four key components and let's ask ourselves a few questions like, is my, does my laboratory have a strategic plan that is very patient centric and that involves my laboratory team with the rest of the healthcare team and really fully engages itself with the rest of the hospital in assuring great patient care? And are, is my lab very data driven? Are we making decisions based on data and are we looking closely at performance improvement and constantly and continually working to improve? Are we, again, partnering well with the rest of the healthcare team? Are all the members of my lab team like really engaged? Am I thinking about every member of my team's professional development? Do I have kind of more of an individualized way of assuring that I'm meeting each and every team member's needs as far as their professional development? Am I promoting the profession? Am I helping to make us more visible within our community? Are we engaging our laboratory in various ways by reaching out to the community? And are my leaders and the culture within here, one that's very engaging? So I have leaders that create a culture that assures that the associates' voices are heard and that everybody feels, you know, a part of this great team. That's what I would, I would be asking myself those questions. Diana, your, your team may have Ask different questions. 
I agree with everything that you said. And I would just like to add that if you reflect on, you know, how you are as a leader of your laboratory as a medical director, and you know you're actively leading and you're engaged across your organization, I would say you probably have a lot of the starting ingredients for being a leading laboratory and achieving the designation. And you can always go out to the leading laboratories org webpage and actually read some of the description there of each one of the four elements and actually give you a little insight into what may be expected on on your portfolio submission. But I would say, you know, a little self-reflection. And if you know you're out there, you know, trying to do the best for your laboratory, you probably have all the right starting ingredients. I would just add to that and, and second everything that both of my colleagues have said that you have to meet the eligibility requirements. And those are that it's a hospital-based laboratory. It's a small hospital-based accredited program accredited by the Joint Commission. And that you really have to be in good standing with the Joint Commission accreditation. And that as Diana and Lynette have said, you need to be able to gather a collaborative team together to work on this. I think, you know, although one person could probably do it, I don't think that's the way it's intended. It's intended to be a teamwork kind of activity to really review the application process to figure out, you know, what does attestation mean? Which outcomes are you going to what's included in each outcomes, which indicators will you select to support those outcomes, what evidence are you going to compile, how are you going to determine what metrics support that, and then, of course, just the physicalness of completing online. So it is a process. Yeah, you just kind of teed up my next question, Barbara. I was going to ask if, like, what, what all was involved in submitting a portfolio portfolio of evidence? And is that a team effort or a a single person just just kind of leading the charge? Well, I'm, I'm sure you do have to have a person leading the charge, but definitely the program is set up so that it can be funneled out to team members to complete individual processes. And there's a lot of great leading lab application process material that's available to help guide the individuals to kind of see, you know, what's the roadmap for completing this program. One of the advantages of the portfolio concept is the fact that, you know, when you get the team together, it gives you the opportunity to kind of innovate in a way with your submissions, because you will be given options or criteria from which to address in your portfolio. And so it allows you the kind of that flexibility or innovation on how, you know, you'd like your submission to appear when you present it. And it really brings your entire team together to think about how do I put my best foot forward? How do I put my, the best of my laboratory forward? So we really are encouraging kind of that team portfolio submission and allows you to a little be a little bit innovative on what you submit to meet the evidence. Yeah, no, when I first looked at the materials that that you all developed and curated, one of the most exciting things for me was what a great roadmap this is for success in a laboratory. So when you yeah, do your attestation, so that's the first step, you attest that you are accredited, accredited by the Joint Commission, you're in good standing, you know, we have checks and balances, et cetera. And once it opens up that application portal, it's such a tremendous amount of excellent content that really could serve to give you ideas if you aren't already doing things along those lines. It really serves as almost a recipe for success. 
it just was so cool to go through all those different things and think, oh my gosh, that's absolutely true. And also another thing I really like about it is that when you're used to accreditation and you're used to temperature logs and all of these more binary, cut and dry, black and white type things, which we're attracted to in the lab. That's one of the reasons why we're so good at it and why we go into it. This really is, you know, as as you guys said, really innovative. There's creativity involved. And it's a great way to showcase your best practices and to share best practices across laboratories. You know, it just takes everything just to that higher level, which I love about the program. Well, one of the things I was involved in my laboratory and developing and putting forth a laboratory recognition program. And it was a very powerful tool in engaging staff and in getting projects to move along, getting teamwork, you know, solidified and developed. But the recognition part of this program, I think is, is just tremendously powerful recognition, not just within the laboratory, but hopefully within the hospital and within the community. And by building this portfolio that then can be a tangible takeaway and can be, you know, shown, presented to others, it, it's definitely going to increase the visibility of the laboratory. And as we all know, that's probably the most, the biggest complaint of laboratory and staff is the fact that people don't know what we do. They don't know about our impact on patient care. So I think this is just a tremendous way to get it out there and have it be evidenced by metrics. Yeah, until the EMR goes down or instrument goes down, you know, then they notice, <laughs> right. oh, wow, things usually are functioning in a way that I really need. Yeah, I always used to like to say that no one cares about the lab until they screw up. <laughs> oh, there you go. Or <laughs> until COVID happens. Like right, or until COVID happened, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. I always say we're like a refrigerator and nobody notices that you're, you know, running until you break down. And then exactly. They really exactly. need you. <laughs> Speaking of visibility, uh, you know, and, and, something that's really at the forefront of all of our minds right now in the laboratory and certainly at the forefront of our initiatives at ASCP, and that's the current workforce crisis we're facing and the role that visibility plays in recruitment and retention of the laboratory workforce. Do you all think that leading labs can, this is a very loaded question, by the way, do you think leading labs can help with things around workforce? For instance, could it be potentially a recruiting tool? Like I'm a leading lab and I, this is a place that you'd want to work because we showcase all of these great attributes that a leading laboratory showcases. You know, I think of the nursing magnet programs and we've talked a lot about nursing magnet and the, the visibility that lends to the nursing profession. How would leading laboratories work in a similar capacity that would support our workforce? I could start taking a part of that. We all know that the workforce issues are very complex. Like there's going to, it's going to require a multi-pronged solution to help us try to resolve the ongoing workforce issues. So the leading laboratories is just one component of that. And like magnet, you know, where nurses are attracted, you know, for a magnet status hospital or owner organization, because it has professional development aspects that are unique and special about that organization or governance aspects that are unique and special around that organization around nursing and 
leading laboratory similarly has an element of professional development and the investment in professional development around staff. And then how can you actually help people grow as leaders or into other opportunities that may be available to them? So why wouldn't you want to be part of a laboratory that is committed to an investment on professional development? Or why wouldn't you want to be part of a laboratory that really has great collaboration and multidisciplinary teams that really try to solve problems for patients? I mean, those are the elements of the Leading Laboratories program that really, I think, would attract people to join the workforce and come into the laboratory workforce, but also to retain our current workforce, as well as to get, you know, improve employee engagement. Because People want to do more. They want to give more. At least that's my my experience, that people have a lot to give in our workforce. And we just have to make sure that we take the time to develop our staff to allow their talents to rise to the surface. And Leading Laboratories has a way to do that. And I'll just add that I think a Leading Laboratory is a laboratory with a great culture. And if you've ever worked in a laboratory or any setting at all that had a bad culture, then you know how important it is. You spend more time at work than you spend sometimes with your family, right? So if you work at a place where you feel valued, where you understand the importance of your role to caring for patients, you see how integrated your lab is in that process, that your lab takes pride and engages itself in the community, lifting up, you know, your profession in front of others and, and caring about you and supporting your own professional development, assuring that there's great quality. Everybody wants to work in that kind of lab where they feel proud of that environment. And so for me, myself, I know that these things, uh, somebody just blindly applying to my laboratory to work here, they may not know all those things about us. But when people are in this community for a while, they know which laboratories have a great culture. They know where people want to go work. And that is part of this process. Those labs that rise up to this leading laboratory level are the great places to work. They are places where everybody's going to want to get a job and then stay and, and be retained within that job. I'll add just another perspective. The roadmap that we've built with the leading lab program is not something that's taught in any schools. It's not taught for any of the professions within our laboratory multidisciplinary field. And, you know, when we sat down and thought about in our careers, what makes for a successful lab? I mean, we don't talk about how important trust in leadership is, you know, when you're going through a a program. We don't talk about how important coaching and mentoring is. We talk about our quality outcomes. We don't at all talk about the necessity to improve the visibility of the laboratory so that we're working on the sustainability of our careers in the future. So, you know, this is just a whole element that's kind of been outside of the formal training. And I mean, I agree with both Lynette and Diana that this is just bound to attract, you know, talented lab staff to your institution. And I can even say just on my small level with building the lab recognition program, I had people come to work in my laboratory just because they knew about having this program and that it was an exciting element for supporting staff. So I have a a tiny little testimonial on the importance of recognition in formal, informal ways. So I, I think it's a critical time that this program has been launched and that it's going to add to all the other initiatives that our profession is trying to put forth to work on workforce and and retention. 
you guys have been talking a lot about like what makes a, a lab a leading laboratory and you know, to make sure that laboratories are doing these things or you're doing X, Y, and Z to get this designation. Do you guys have a method to check in on the laboratories that have those de that designation? And is there a reason a laboratory could lose that designation? So from a workflow standpoint, we did just award our first leading laboratories designation. We announced this at our annual meeting. That was our 100th year anniversary that just occurred in Chicago in September 2022. And that is Torrance Memorial Medical Center in California. And this recognition follows the same two-year cycle as accreditation does with the Joint Commission. So okay. every two years, the laboratory does reapply in not I, in, not in the same exact form as it does in the first year. And then, you know, that recognition is good for those two years unless something happens where laboratory accreditation is jeopardized. So if there's some sort of an event or any sort of reason why a laboratory might lose its accreditation, then, of course, we are not recognizing a laboratory for above and beyond if they don't satisfy that basic level of accreditation. So really, from my standpoint, that that's really the only, quote unquote, threat to it. We are looking to engage our leading laboratories education with the sharing of best practices to have forums at things like annual meetings and doing different educational type things. Because there, just in reviewing these applications, there are so many awesome things that labs are doing around the country that everyone could be doing, mm -hmm. right? And maybe they just haven't thought of it. We don't always mm -hmm. have to recreate the wheel. So a big part of this is the sharing of best practices. Yeah, the sharing of knowledge is really key. I'll just add one thing to that. Built into this program is the idea that every two years, if you were to become, you know, reapply to leading laboratories, that the evidence that's part of your portfolio would be new and fresh evidence. It wouldn't be the same, you know, things from two years ago. It would be current and relevant to what you're doing right now. And that's kind of built into the program as well, that you're showing some of your, your new, uh, some of the new things that you're doing. And just to add to some of the nuts and bolts of the application process, there's, as we mentioned, an attestation stage that the expected turnaround time is two business days to make sure that that institution qualifies and is eligible. And then you get access to the application materials and you can look through all of the process, the component statements, the outcomes, the indicators, the metrics and evidence. And then the individual laboratories have six months to really complete the process to submit their evidence. They can do it in dribs and drabs all along, can be added in. And then once the submission is all pulled together, then the application is submitted and reviewed. And then the leading laboratory behind the scenes review group has 60 days to review the application and make a determination of whether or not to award the designation of reading lab. So that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the process. Yeah, yeah there's no on-site component. I think that's a common question that right. we get. There Good are point. no, this is not accreditation. There are no surveyors coming on site. I'm using air quotes to inspect your laboratory or anything like that. You know, that's been done already because your laboratory has to be in good standing uh, as far as accreditation is concerned. And we, we do have a firewall between us and the Joint Commission 
where they are checking all that behind the scenes, as Barbara said, prior to the application being opened up. So that's all kept confidential. We don't learn your business, but we do find out whether or not you're able to then progress to the application stage. So that communication really is, is key to progressing to the, to the next step. So again, no, no on-site, no on-site component, entirely online. And, you know, I wanted to mention one thing we failed to mention that, you know, during the submission process, it's important that the listeners understand that we don't ask for any business sensitive information or patient information. All of that information is requested to be redacted if it appears in a document. So, you know, I think that's important to note that we do protect the confidentiality by taking those steps of the submitting organization. Yes. Redact everything, please. We do get some applications sometimes where things aren't redacted and then we have to send them back and they'll redact them or they have to be redacted prior to going to reviewers. So yeah, if we try to do everything as fairly as possible, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we did go through some alpha testing and some on-site testing. So we really do have this validated method of application and evaluation of applications. What excites you most about this program? That's a great question. There's a lot of things that excite me about the program. The fact that it just exists is very exciting. But, you know, I think about where it can go. What are the possibilities? You know, Dr. Brown did mention a couple of things about how do we get maybe leading laboratories in the future together to share best practices, you know, but then, you know, how can we measure the outcomes of how labs are progressing through this process, you know, because one of the things we hope happens and it will happen is, you know, just the quality of clinical laboratories everywhere should just continue to rise, right? And it's not only the quality, but it's also, you know, how much they become, uh, we become collaborative across our healthcare systems and, you know, how much we reach out into communities and how much more we recruit and retain our staff. So, you know, looking at some of those outcomes across, you know, the entirety of the spectrum, I think is very exciting and something that I think is probably on ASCP's radar at some point. Yeah, this is Lynette. I just think that the visibility that this is going to bring to laboratories and laboratory careers is what excites me the most as I think about, again, one of the four key components of leading laboratories is to promote lab visibility. And if, as we gain more and more leading laboratories, it means more and more energy is going to be put into increasing lab visibility. That means, uh, you know, maybe my elementary age grandson would learn about, other than from his grandmother, learn about what medical laboratory science is or what a pathologist is or a cytologist, or I should say, uh, yes, it is cytologist now, isn't it? Histotechnologists learn about all the careers in the laboratory instead of that, you know, empty bubble that most little kids have. Maybe when you say, oh, you know, maybe you'd want to work in the laboratory. I'm not sure that they would ever have known, you know, or no picture would come into that bubble in their head. So an excitement to me would be in the future, the general public. And if we're really doing our, our, a good job, the general public, the C-suite, the rest of the healthcare system and team are going to be much more knowledgeable of the laboratory. And we're going to just attract the best and the brightest into our field. It's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity to just grow the impact of laboratories. 
I would just reiterate everything that you've said. I think that just the ability to communicate the impact of the laboratory on patient care and community health is just really exciting. And as we said before, you know, most, if you ask most laboratorians, the biggest problem, it's visibility of the laboratories, visibility increasing, graphic demonstration of laboratory excellence, and it can't help but have a positive impact on recruitment and retention, you know, and it just pushes that process improvement to a higher level. I'm excited that, you know, we have baked into the various data points where we can extract data to try to find out those best practices and then share those with others. So not really saying anything new here, but I'm hoping that And this might be just me, but this is a joint commission accredited laboratories now, but I'm hoping in the future, maybe the program will be able to expand beyond those laboratories. But nevertheless, even with joint commission laboratories receiving this designation, I mean, it's bound to, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. It's bound to increase the visibility of laboratories across when this kind of takes hold. Yeah, I mean, we've really valued our collaboration with the Joint Commission. But ideally, yeah, this would be open ideally for every laboratory because so many labs are, you don't want to restrict anyone from being recognized as being a leading laboratory based on you know consumerism or any other goal like that. Currently, of course, it is. This program is limited to Joint Commission accredited labs. And in that regard, Lynette, you mentioned the C-suite. This unique collaboration that we currently have with the Joint Commission. How do you think this impacts laboratory visibility regarding hospital executives and the hospital C-suite? Well, I think it's pretty amazing, especially that connection to Joint Commission in some ways. I'll start with that. When I say Joint Commission in my hospital, the C-suite knows exactly what I'm talking about. So my laboratory happens to be Joint Commission accredited, and that, that in and of itself has raised the visibility of the lab within my institution. I have to say, they understand the importance of of the accreditation criteria that we're trying to meet. But now when we go beyond that to leading laboratories, and I say to my C-suite, there is this gold star, if you will, that we can reach for and attain that will make our laboratory stand out much in the way that we could have our joint program reach some kind of special joint. Uh, When I say joint, I don't mean joint commission. I meant like your knees, that kind of joint program or your heart program could try to get a special certification with the Joint Commission. Now there's something for the laboratory. The laboratory can prove its greatness and the criteria are very lofty. And I think that our C-suite will, they will want to do that to make our laboratory and our hospital stand out, but that will also just raise their awareness of everything that's going on in the lab. So I, again, I think that Sometimes the C-suite doesn't recognize the uh, amazing work that's happening in the lab. And I think this will just shine a big bright light on it. And so that is one of the most exciting things about it, Valley. Excellent. Yeah, we had someone say that when the Joint Commission hospital accreditation team comes, they get a marching band. You know, (laughs) they want balloons. They want everything for the laboratory as well, right? We deserve it and more. So you guys kind of like touched on this a little bit, but I want to ask the the formal question. Where do you guys envision the program five or 10 years from now? 
Well, I'll jump in just to say we use the word roadmap. I think Allie's the first one that said it. I think as Leading Lab grows, I hope that those labs that aren't prepared to be to meet the criteria, if you will, for leading laboratory will so they'll learn from that roadmap and be able to build the, so we will have built stronger laboratories because of this program. And those labs that maybe aren't yet ready have seen, will see what it takes, will be able to follow the roadmap that's here to make their laboratory go from good to great. And I'm not saying that every laboratory across the United States would become a leading laboratory, but wouldn't it be great if they were all striving to be a leading laboratory because they could follow that roadmap? Well, and having defined the four components that we feel are really the pillars of a successful laboratory, you know, I think this program, it's very robust. It's not easy, but it is kind of a reach. And some labs, as Lynette just said, you know, may find it a reach, but we're providing, again, you know, how, examples of how to to really have your laboratory have all the elements that are required for a successful lab. I do think the program is going to evolve as we get feedback from the program over the years. You know, we're still in our infancy. We'll see, you know, how sound everything, you know, how things gel, how the applications come in, what are people struggling with, what's a challenge, what's, you know, what's easy for everyone to fulfill. And so I do think we'll evolve with future iterations of the program. And what I'd like to add to all of this is that the beauty of a roadmap is the fact that the roadmap has to change as the landscape changes, right? So I anticipate, along with my colleagues here, that, you know, at some point in time, we'll probably have to revisit the roadmap, you know, make sure that it's meeting current needs, as well as evolving it to meet the next next challenge ahead of us. So it's going to take, you know, forward thinking thought leaders who is available at the time. And hopefully it's us, but maybe, you know, there'll be others to add to the mix as well. But, you know, it's going to take continual work to keep a roadmap that's progressive, proactive, and just ahead of the curve and in the healthcare environment. And this program does that because it's just such a robust set of criteria right now that, you know, just thinking forward of what we're going to need in the future, it's likely to evolve and we're just going to have to stay ahead of the curve. And the roadmap gives us the opportunity to do that. That's a great point, Diana, because we've done it already, right? We added disaster preparedness. You know, we the measures, I mean, the the metrics and outcomes, they were already fairly solidified at the beginning of the pandemic or prior to the pandemic. And then we held off on re- releasing the the program and, and, and opening up the floodgates for the program because we knew our laboratories were so stressed, but it afforded us the opportunity to integrate some metrics around pandemic preparedness and and, and other types of of exceptional circumstances and how laboratories have plans to deal with those. So yeah, continuous quality improvement. We're always looking at at how we're how we're performing and how it can perform better in the future. And and another thing we added as you were saying that was about around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We added elements and conceptual work around that. So, you know, as 
new ideas, new ways of thinking around healthcare need to evolve, so does the roadmap. Just a so really quick question. Have you guys added any any concepts around like green initiatives or environmental concerns to your requirements or no? Or is that something that's like in the five or 10 year plan? I think that's a future iteration. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not too far in the future. Right, uh, right. Yeah. But good point. Looking at the footprint of laboratories, there's a lot going on, a lot being written about and, and being done around those initiatives. And I think that's something that we should definitely be looking at for something sooner than the next five or 10 years. Well, I certainly, think- I think a, a laboratory could engage with their community in some green kind of activities. And that would be mm-hmm. one way, you know, they, Although we may not name specifically that as a criteria, it's certainly something that they could engage with to help their community. And so it certainly could make its way into an application portfolio. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, because we encourage creativity, right? We leave it sort of open-ended for a lot of the metrics. So that's a great point. I think the only thing constant in life and certainly in the lab life is change. So. As we know, flexibility and change is part of everyday life in the laboratory. And I know that that will apply to this program as well. Excellent. Thank you guys for participating. This is a really great conversation. I will freely admit that going into this podcast, I knew very little about this program. And now I feel like I know a whole lot. So hopefully our listeners feel the same way. And speaking of listeners, I want to tell you guys to remind your colleagues about the podcast and also subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator. And don't forget that you can receive CME or CMLE credit for listening to our podcast by looking for Inside the Lab in the ASCP store on our website, www.ascp.org.